I fully realize that I can sit in there and be naked with these other people, not by just my own choice and my own self-work. That's quite presumptuous and absurd, but it's, I'm very lucky. Like I feel very lucky that I get to be sitting there and feel free. You're listening to Out of Line with Caroline Lee, exploring offline realities with online personalities. Lisa Gunger is a singer-songwriter from the band Gunger, which is made up of she and her husband, Michael. She's the mother of Amelie and Lucy, two beautiful daughters, and she just released her first book entitled The Most Beautiful Thing I've Seen. Lisa lives in Los Angeles, so I went over to her recording studio where we chatted about nudity, and we even got naked in the process. We are now welcome to the hour, the midnight hour. <laughs> it's not, this, we it's weird recording not in my own space. It's like this is the last time I recorded here. We were saying clitorgists. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was when the clitorgist first appearance. And now we have we de saint in loose. <laughs> we do. At at Wideset Anus on Instagram is your Finsta. This is this is my name. We the say. <laughs> I like to talk like this. I don't so, even know where that's from. I don't know. Yeah, it's from Jaden. Oh, no, I don't know where the voice is from. Yeah, it's like I don't know what accent that is. I've never been to that country. I want to say it's like. Uh, no, I don't want to say because then <laughs> it's gonna offend someone. <laughs> I was like, wow, geez, where are we going here? <laughs> where are we going? You can't talk about nope, accents. You can't. No. Because immediately it becomes like someone's going to get offended. Yeah. Somehow it's like going to be racist, even if it's not meant to be. So can't we'll, we... just, we'll just leave it at it, it's ambiguous. <laughs> going to move on. Say. <laughs> She's from a made up fairyland mm-hmm. country. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to talk about nudity. But you're going to keep your clothes on, or are you? I mean, I could take my clothes off. Well. That would be very interesting. It would be. What do you have well, to... Well, that would be very interesting. Just what would happen? Like, I wonder how that would change the dynamics well, of our conversation. Um, if we were going to record at my house, I was going to um, I was gonna get naked with you. <gasps> but it's weirder to sit here in the house when we're not at my house, and I don't know who's going to walk in. Oh, but we can lock the door. <laughs> We should do that. We should just get naked. Go to? Sure. Okay. Right now? Sure. Okay. <laughs> well, I just didn't know if like Michael was gonna walk in and I'd be like, sorry, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if he was just like, hey guys, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just sitting here naked with your wife. It's fine. <laughs>
Is this your first? Naked? Yeah. Is this your first? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You Hilarious. Can, okay. You can totally look. You don't have to look. You don't at my have to eyes. just look at your eyes. Okay. Same. <laughs> take it in. It's not much to take in, but take it in. Have no shame. This oh is funny now. Like, I don't even know if this gets serious. You know what I mean? If this yeah. of a gets into like a serious moment how do i react i just have to i just have to take a photo of not your boobs but just of you like reading your boobs. <laughs> <laughs> i feel like hot boobs are not good like warm boobs i'm like <laughs> oh but that's interesting i mean because even as women right we're taught to yeah it's like they have go, to be like going, hard they have to be a certain we can't smell we can't sweat we can't yeah Totally. We have to, like, yeah, like my body's sticking to this plastic seat right now. I'm like, <laughs> the AC is off so we can record and yeah. now we're getting sweaty. I know. It's funny though, because there are, it's funny. That's so funny because um, when, so I think the first time I ever took my top off in public was at, Jaden and I went to Jamaica, um, like in the first couple of years of our marriage and it was like a naked like a nude, uh, you know, swimsuit optional beach. And I was very like, well, I'll do it. But also what if I become friends with any of these people around me? And then like, then it's weird. Cause then it's not just a stranger. That's like, you know, so, and sure enough, we totally became friends with like the couple that was next to us. Um, but I was also <laughs> like, it's just hot boobs are just boobs. not a good look. Like it's always, they're always, I mean like any idealized female body, they always have like you know, the nice hard nipples or like Ugh. whatever. But when it's just like you're hot and your your nipples are just like. <laughs> That's the sound. <laughs> See, but I love that. I love it. I love the uncomfortable. I love the times that where you, yeah, that time you're like, oh, this is. Not how the ideal way that I want you to see. I don't want you to see me in this state. Yeah. Hot boob state. <laughs> that's oh, my favorite. It's my favorite. Look at my hot boobs. Yes. My hot boobs. <laughs> I love that you and your, your is it your whole family, your siblings? Boobs. Huge boobs. <laughs> we always say that to each other. Do you know what you need? Huge boobs. <laughs> I hope listen to my back on this chair. Oh my god. It reminds me of a friend a friend of mine. Oh man. I don't know if you know this friend. He told us about this dream he had once where it was just a wall of boobs. And he just put his face in the boobs. I was Ooh. like, oh, what does that mean? What does that mean? I think it I think it means like, well, there, and there, like there's no heads. So right. maybe he's he's just I just need I just need boobs. I don't care about the humanity behind the boobs. Or it's, he just needs to be nurtured. Yeah, I was. Really that's what that's what I was thinking. Nurture in his life. Yeah. He needs to be nurtured. Yeah, nurtured. Boobs are for uh, nurturing. They are. They are. They are. They give life. Mm. Well, I want to know what what do you think, uh, just in general about nudity? Like, what's your stance on it? What's your take on? Why is that the thing that you're like? I want to talk about this. Well, I guess we could start with a story. Do it. Start with a story. Start with a story. Um. So first of all, when you well, when you ask, like I'll I'll preface the story with this when you ask what I wanted to talk about uh, 
I wasn't really sure because I feel like I, I talk about, I mean, most of my life in this book, but it, it is interesting when you start thinking about like, what are the secret things in my life that I don't really talk about with other people? And I think the secret thing in my life is I would be very interested in living in a, um, a, a nudist colony commune i don't i don't know what they call it mm-hmm. <laughs> i've never been to one but uh i thought you did go to one not a not like a not like a place where everyone lives in community together oh got it no mm-hmm. okay so uh, so but the reason that i think this is because of like years ago uh, there's a few there's a few different stories here but um the first time Michael and I went to, there's these hot springs in Colorado. Uh, the first time we went to them, I was very, very pregnant. Very pregnant. And with Amelie. And um, we hiked up, I hiked up this mountain in flip-flops. Because oh. we didn't know what to expect. So Michael and I just thought we'd have a little time away. Just the two of us, you know, uh, before baby the baby moon. comes. Yep little baby moon in time but we didn't know that the hot springs that we wanted to go to was like a, like halfway up this mountain so in the dark in the snow we hiked up it was it was probably i want to say a mile if michael was here he maybe he'd correct that but it was far and not a smart thing for a pregnant girl to do <laughs> so we hiked up and but the the, the payoff was amazing just sitting in this beautiful uh, hot springs um, overlooking the mountains and it was gorgeous the sun the sunset I think I said we hiked up in the dark it was getting dark and the hike down was very dark (laughs) good idea um so that was just the two of us I think there was another couple up there when we first got in and I my initial feeling was uh like they started talking to us and my initial feeling was like, oh my gosh, are they going to want to have sex with us? <laughs> what? what? Why was that your initial thought? I don't, because by programming, I'm sure like, right. We're all, we're, I'm naked. You're naked. That's what happens. Oh when wait, you were naked. naked. I don't think you said that. Oh, I didn't say that. Oh, so there was a hot springs. <laughs> you're supposed to be naked. <laughs> That's the crucial part of the story. I know. I'm like, wait, where, where does the <laughs> Where does the nudity come in? Why didn't you think everyone's going to have sex? Well, we were all naked. I and missed that part. Great. No. Okay. So you're but, all naked. But isn't that interesting? I mean, it's, it's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Like, just, which is, speaks a lot to our culture. Yeah. Yeah. If someone's naked. They're going to want to have. They're going to want to have sex with you. Or yeah. It also speaks a lot to like rape culture, right? Yeah. Well, the girl, did you see how she was dressed? Or mm-hmm. she did, she got naked. What did you expect? Yeah. I couldn't help myself because she was either I mean most of the time it's not because she was naked it's she was dressed that way and she was just asking for it so I think I it wasn't until then that I realized how programmed I had been to um, how I respond to naked people and obviously that's just not, not I wasn't down on myself for that. that's not something I do all the time I wasn't just around naked people all the time so so that was my first like experience with that and then Michael and I um, would go every now and then. Um, but we went, we hadn't gone that much. We went again, I want to say sometime like last year or a year and a half ago. And, um, 
it was the it was during the day so we're just walking around and it's really funny how when you're talking to someone you are very careful that you're only making eye contact <laughs> you're not looking anywhere else mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so at first it's very uh i felt very rigid like people i it's just my projection but the other people were rigid but i'm sure they were more used to it um so we're hanging out at this hot springs going to different pools, having a good time, getting to, like, there's, it's packed with other people. Um, but we kind of tried to stay, you know, like a certain distance away from people. Well, then this, we end up meeting this other couple. And again, like we're really hitting it off with this couple. They're really nice. And again, like that's going on in my mind. Are they going to try to like ask us at the end of this to, all of us are going to have like one big orgy. What are you doing here? You know, my, my very, uh, my church background is like rising up, you know, like you're going to be trapped by Satan. Uh-huh. Uh, so I just, it was a good practice for me to, um, have all my preconceived ideas of what it, of, of other, people being naked uh it really um it changed my perspective on that those groups of people who i i used to have this very narrow-minded idea of what it would be like to hang out with a bunch of people naked i thought it was I th- yeah i thought it would be gross and disgusting and how could they and what a bunch of carnal sin- sinful people and then we start having these experiences that feels very freeing. Mm. So, so we're talking to these people. We end up going pretty deep, pretty quickly. And what I realized for myself is how much I can judge people based on what they're wearing. Like we're constantly, we're constantly projecting, right? And okay, you look this way. Uh, this is what you're wearing. This is the makeup that you have on. This is the kind of person you must be. So at this, at this place, there's just, none of those preconceived ideas are there because you're all just naked. And to, to me, it felt like the conversations were, just got deep quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe that speaks to the level of comfort everybody there had, like they all had that experience of uh, getting past body shame, getting past what other people might think of their, you know, their bodies, what they do and don't look like. Um, so, so we, we meet this couple, we find out that he's like a, a shaman in pra- He's a practicing, he's practicing to become a shaman. Mm-hmm. And, of course. Uh, of course he is. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, <laughs> I always hang out with practicing naked shamans. So I always, know, you I know, know that. how that is. I know you the know. scene. Yeah. It's a scene. <laughs> tell us your your story after yeah so it it was an interesting place for michael and i we were we actually were in maybe this was more than a year and a half ago i'm kind of bad with these this time timeline of my life but it was at a point in our lives where we hadn't we kind of stopped saying things that we felt like we needed to say we'd kind of been burned um 
so like the career wise and we'd recently been through um we I think we had gotten scared from some social media things that blew up for us we got scared to like say what we really what we thought what we believed um and so we meet this shaman and he starts telling Michael that the stars are speaking to him Mm -hmm. and telling him to like that he has this word from the universe oh wow yeah for both of us wow for for michael and myself and it was pretty profound and it was it was i started laughing when i I mean in in, on the inside when he told me you know i well sometimes i look at the stars and i just hear these things and i'm supposed to tell these people and from the background that i have i mean i grew up in church where everyone believed in prophecy and then I feel like I was like that's bullshit I don't believe that anymore but then I mean the universe is pretty wild yeah and that there's there's obviously a lot of people who can be abusive in in those kind of circles but this guy so yes it's weird it's all weird Mm. I think all of it's weird Mm. so this guy has this message for us from the stars and it's like right on. And he ends up, I end up getting out and I, and I'm still like, I'm not fully comfortable yet. Like I'm, I'm almost there with the whole nudity with other people idea. Uh, so he, but, but him and this girl were so wonderful and, um, they ended up making us dinner like that you all get together at this outside, this community area. So we ate together and then we went back in the, into the hot springs and Michael and I got dressed. It was really late. We're about to leave. We're getting dressed and he comes out. So my whole thing had been, don't, just don't get too close. Like don't touch anyone. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep a certain distance that you're safe. So I still had, I still had these guards up. He gets out of the hot springs where Michael and I are fully clothed. And he said, I just want to, I just want to give a blessing to you. Is that okay? And we said, yeah, sure. That's okay. So he lights some sage and he like does his whole like sages us, um, fully bending over fully and he's still naked <laughs> he's still totally naked uh-huh. we're totally clothed and then and then he hugs us both full like full-on hug yeah and the old i'm just thinking i'm just hugging a naked man like fully naked man i'm fully clothed he's fully full-on naked and i think there's these moments that like at least for me that i go oh my god what would my mom think <laughs> <laughs> like i'm I'm a grown woman. That's but, um, hilarious. But there's still these moments where I think, oh my God, this is this is too far. This is inappropriate. Well, my, my family would think I'm crazy. My friends would think I'm crazy. Uh, but it felt so wonderful. And I mean, Michael and I walked away laughing hysterically. We, always, we, we constantly have these moments going, what would your 20-year-old self say about yourself right now? Uh, but it was such a beautiful experience. Um, I think it was 
it was interesting to me how much I connected with these people. And then when we had dinner together, everyone's clothed. We're all, you're cooking and you're, you know, just hanging out and sitting and <laughs> doing very regular things that you just don't, uh, no one wanted to be naked for. I don't know why everyone gets clothed for that part. But uh, it was just weird. These people I'm connecting with and then I see them fully clothed and I found my judgments coming back. Mm. I'm going, oh, you wear that? Like, mm. I mean, well, we probably... Like you're a sports person, mm. like in sports attire, which I probably, I'm not really into sports. So I probably wouldn't have um, connected with you right away. And that's totally my judgment. That's, mm-hmm. that's I didn't think that would be there. Uh, so yeah, I've, I have slowly realized that I really love those circles um, and I think I was always afraid of it because the only stories that I had heard growing up was people being into like the porn, the, this dark right. addiction. I mean, it's broken up marriages in my family and with my friends and, um, so naked people equals lust and, mm-hmm. um, you can't have your husband or, you know, looking at someone else and there's only going to be less, but it, when you're around it long enough, it's just normal. Mm -hmm. You just go, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. Oh, you, it all, it all starts looking really similar, the Mm -hmm. same. And there's no, at least for us, I, I, I totally get that there's people who are not healthy and they can look at someone and have that feeling of like, Oh, I have to take I have to take you. Mm-hmm. And if you're a victim of rape, if you're a victim of sexual assault, it's probably that might not be a great space for you. Um, but what I've realized is people in these circles, they have been around it long enough, long enough, or they've done a, enough self work. Uh, they don't, feel that and they it's more appreciating mm. instead of looking at someone with this like I'm gonna take you somehow with my eyes yeah uh, there's no feeling of that mm. so it's um it's really beautiful mm. yeah um thanks for thanks for that's that story um I <laughs> and I have lots of things to say about it um first of all what was the word that the shaman gave you well it was that we were scared to, like something had happened and we hadn't shared any of our this part of our story with them. Something had happened that silenced us and that there's something that we have to say and there's art that we're, something like there's art that we need to be creating and that we had become scared to say it, but that we need to have courage and be brave to say it again wow yeah that's amazing yeah that's amazing um and i i think i'm thinking about a couple because really where where in life unless you seek it out are there spaces where you're with naked people like that just isn't our life is our world is so clothed like the western the western world air quotes western world um is so clothed and you know um 
like as you were talking, I was sitting here thinking like, when was the first time I saw a naked body that like wasn't my sibling or like wasn't myself? Hmm. Um, and I think it was at the Y, like going to swimming class at the Y and then getting in the shower afterwards. And like when you walk through the women's locker room, there was like a geriatric water aerobics class that got out at the same time as my so like these much older people were in the showers at the y as i was coming out and they these like much older women with fascinating body shapes were all naked in this like mass shower room and i remember just being like wow bodies Mm -hmm. like they're just so they're so fascinating and they're they're so different um but again Back then, it was it was very like, oh, don't really look, like, don't mm-hmm. look, don't look, like, just keep your eyes down, <laughs> keep your eyes down, like, either you know? down or up, yeah, yeah, <laughs> don't look, don't look, and then, you know, like where, like even, I mean, I think some families have very um, naked cultures where it's like mm-hmm. no big deal, um, but I, there are a lot, like a lot, especially some of the more conservative families, like you don't even see your siblings or your parents naked. It's oh, very yeah. like, no, like yeah. your body is not to be seen by anyone. Was yours like that? Absolutely. Oh, I wow. mean, I have this very clear memory of when I was little, I had to have been like four or five years old and I was taking a bath with, bath with my brother. I mean, my brother was my best friend. So we're taking a bath. <laughs> like we came out of the bath and <clears throat> I, I mean, who knows how clear this memory is, right? Because I recall it, and, right, it becomes polluted. But what I, what I recall is I am, like, looking at my vagina. Yeah. And, he, like, going, like, doing funny things, what I perceive as funny. Like, look at what this thing does. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> right? Like, like, making sounds. Yeah. <laughs> and then Co- my brother Cody is, is, yeah, like, you know, like, uh, I'm doing body movements that nobody can see. <laughs> <laughs> like gyrating his dong. You're like, blah, 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 like slapping around. And he's like, blah, blah. and so we're being kids uh-huh. and we think our bodies are funny. Yeah. There is no sense of shame. There's no sense of like, oh my God, let's, let's do this, this bad thing. And don't tell anyone. It was, we're taking a bath. This is funny. And we were probably like making fart sounds with our armpits. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, we're doing things with all these parts of our bodies. And, and, um, my dad came in, love, love you, dad. He's never going to listen to this podcast, <laughs> but love you. <laughs> and this is just what he was taught. So mm-hmm. I fully understand that. I'm not shaming him for saying this. This is what he was taught, but he came in and just yelled at us. What do you think you're doing? Stop it. Don't you ever do that again? If I ever see you doing that again, and it was such a shock. I didn't know what he was talking about at yeah, first. Yeah. He's like, don't you ever touch yourself like that. Don't you ever. My brother and I never had a bath together after that. Mm. And I just remember feeling so sad. Like there's, oh, there's something wrong with me that I didn't even know. And because I didn't realize that really means something's wrong with me. I really have like an evil thing in my body, in my heart. And that's so that's so sad mm. to me that we are, I, I understand that we need to protect our children. I have two little girls. I had some, un, an, an unfortunate encounter as a child. So I fully understand, like 
telling our children, this is your body. This part belongs to you. This is what you, this is, this is only you. Nobody else can touch it. You, um, tell, tell, yeah, tell an adult, tell someone else if anyone ever tries to touch that. So I, I fully understand. I think that's incredibly important and to keep that dialogue open with our kids. But like the body, the body shaming yeah. happens at such an early age. And I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think I even realized until I was a grown woman, mm. how much body shame I had, mm. even like tucking, you know, like my, I have my seatbelt on and I'm tucking like my fat under the seatbelt so it doesn't hang over or I'm, you know, uh, there was little things, even when I had girls that I almost said, and we tried, Michael and I are trying to be really careful with how we talk about our girls' bodies and their private parts and how we protect them mm. and guard them, but let them be free to explore. I mean, we'll have dance parties and sometimes they're totally naked and they're doing, you know, funny things. And I'm like, yeah, isn't that hilarious? Look at this, you know? Yeah. Uh, cause I don't, I don't ever want them to, to that, that doesn't just stop even when you get married, mm. just thinking, oh, well now this beautiful part of my body, I can share this with this person. No. You still are like, oh my God, don't look, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, don't, you can look to a certain degree, right? but don't look at this certain angle, right? Because that's the gross part, right? I, yeah. fu- I fully felt that. Yeah, it's so true. It's it's so true. And and like you said, with your dad coming in and freaking out with you and your brother, you're like, wait, what? Like, what am I actually? Because we're born not feeling that. Like, we're born just in our bodies. It's all we know. I am like, this is my body. Like, what am I supposed to? This is me. Why would it? Why would I feel bad about it? Um, and so to, to then have someone else create that sense of like, oh, wrongness, badness, um, and then not to be able to just like get rid of it. Um, I was, I was FaceTiming with a friend of mine, um, who has teenage boys now and she, um, used to be much more conservative when they were younger. And she was saying that she, the first time that, that her oldest was in the backseat and he was a little boy and he was like in his car seat and she was, they were driving along and she looked in the rearview mirror and he had his hand down his pants. <laughs> and she said that she screamed at the top of her, her lungs, Jesus hates it when you touch your penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> and she's, and Jesus, he's the only one. He's the Jesus. only one. <laughs> Jesus hates you it when you touch really your penis. Hates that Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know, everybody else, they're fine with it. But Jesus, don't touch your dick. Oh my. <laughs> so what did she, but she said she feels so bad now and she's, but she knows that that is like, she's so aware that that was a part of him in his development. Like when his brain was sort of creating ideas about what was okay, what's not okay and what his body is. And so she's like, how do I reopen the conversation with my teenage son and like talk about things like <laughs> masturbation in a way that removes shame? Like, yeah. how do I, you know, how do I go back as a parent and go like, remember that thing that I did like yeah. a, just a few years ago? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
and now that he's like older and and is a teenager and you know she was just like it's really hard um yeah. so we were talking about that but i laughed so hard when she said that <laughs> that was just literally her gut reaction like driving along looking in the rearview mirror <sighs> and seeing that that was the very first thing so i think about that with your dad like he would have just been like caught off guard like it wouldn't have and i think that happens with so many parents where they say things either about their kids' bodies or to their kids' bodies or or even a friend of mine, like her mom often talked about her body in a negative, like herself in a negative way, but in front of my friend, which really impacts the way that a child sees their own body because they're like, mm. oh, wow, you know, my mom has these insecurities. Should I have those insecurities? Or like, yeah. I never looked at, I, maybe my tummy's big or maybe my whatever. And so I just think that it's a really interesting um thing to think about like what what were the formulative years about um bodies and nudity like in my life and in your life it's just an interesting thing to notice because like you said there's this idea that oh well then you become an adult and you get married and like it's awesome like then you just love your body because of course you do and of course then your sex life is amazing and and like there's no shame of uh, why would there be shame because you're in like a perfect marriage and like you're you know Especially if it's, um, if there's, you know, if you, if you save yourself or whatever, um, there's so, it's so much more pure and amazing. And like, that just isn't, that isn't real in so many people's experience where like, you can't just turn it off all of a sudden where, oh, I have body shame. Oh, now I'm fine. Yeah. Now I can just have like free, super fabulous sex and trust someone else with my body because you trained yourself for years and years and years that- no one should look at you, touch you. It's mm-hmm. bad. Your body's bad. There's something bad to yeah. be thought of about it. So, um, and I think too, like whether or not someone has a faith there, I mean, America is considered like a Christian country and, um, in Christianity, like sin meant that nakedness couldn't be a thing. So it's almost like you know, oh, well, if we were perfect people, we could be naked. But since we're not, it's like this punishment thing. Like there is that even, even from the very, very root core of it, it's like the punishment is that we can't be naked. So Mm -hmm. it's like cover it up. It's bad. Um, so there's no, there's no sort of acceptance there. And, um, I was thinking about how I don't have body shame um, but then I was thinking about like, when did I get rid of that and what the process was like for me? And I'm, I want to hear what yours was. One of the things that I think of is going to Korean spas mm-hmm. and just like being around other naked bodies is like so empowering to just realize, oh, this is like all the things that I believe that are bad about just my body. Like when I'm around tons mm-hmm. of other people's naked bodies, I'm like, oh, we all have that. Or like, oh, wow. Like mm-hmm. actually you know, if I'm in a room of a hundred people, like I actually choose my body. I actually like it compared, you know, like not that it's always about comparison, but I just think being around so many different shapes and sizes and ages is a really good thing to just go, Oh, no big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other one for me is, um, is burning man where there's not everyone is naked, but a lot of people are. And like you said, it removes the labels that we have as a culture to be like, oh, you're that kind of person mm-hmm. or, oh, that's the kind of clothes you wear. So I can know and assume these five things about you or I can, you know, make 
judgments about how much money you have or what kind of sports you're into or, you know, what kind of music you like based on what you wear. It's just not there. And all of a sudden you're with just bodies and it's, it's fascinating. I love it. And it's, it's very freeing. Um, what about you? What was your, your road to acceptance like? Well, it was, so it, I mean, it, it encompasses those times of going to the hot springs mm-hmm. and the Korean spa. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, we have, I have some friends, we have some friends mm-hmm. that, that I know are afraid to go mm-hmm. to the Korean spa. So like, well, let me get, let me do this first. Let mm-hmm. me get down to this weight first and, and then I'll go. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. You don't understand go now yeah. because you're, then you'll, you will begin to see like how beautiful your body is right now. Um, yeah. Cause like exactly like what you said, the first time I went, I actually felt kind of creepy to the, to the Korean spa. Mm-hmm. First time I went to the Korean spa, I felt <laughs> like a creepy person because I kept wanting to stare at the women. <laughs> <laughs> What is it that, why is that, that it's so like fascinating to look at naked people? Yeah, it was beautiful. They're Mm. beautiful. Mm. And I know, um, I know we are all on this scale. Yep. Uh, I have given it a lot of thought. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not a lesbian, so I'm not even, I'm not looking at the women in a way uh, that's, that's where I'm like, oh, I want to take your body. Mm-hmm. But it was so, they were so beautiful and fascinating that, yeah, that that's why I just, I would catch myself staring and then had to stop, I'm like, stop looking, stop looking, stop looking. And then, of course, I'm asking myself that question. Why is, why is that bad to not look? Oh, it's because our culture has so polluted and taken the body people. And people have... Uh, completely destroyed um, sexuality and made people, you know, we forced ourselves into this little box to where we can't, we, we can't be as free as we like. Mm. Um, because some people weren't taught how to appreciate beauty or there's, you know, mental illness can come into play. There's so many things that come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just you know, one person's a bad person because they look at someone and want to take that. I mean, there's our histories, uh, our roots really that go back and back and back and form how we love and appreciate people. So how I can, I fully realize that I can sit in there and be naked with these other people, not by just my own choice and my own self-work. That's quite presumptuous and absurd, but it's, I'm very lucky. Like I feel very lucky that I get to be sitting there and feel free. That I've, I've had certain things happen to me, but not I've I've not been raped. I've not, I've experienced abuse in my marriage. I so that's I feel I feel like there's so many different things that come into play with that. So, um, but it's been going to putting myself in the position of yeah the, the Korean spa or at the, um, the hot springs. Mm -hmm. And I think when I, I, when I first started going, I had to consciously tell myself to relax Mm. (laughs) 
and not just I had to tell myself that nobody is as freaked out as I am that nobody's looking at me to take something from me mm-hmm. so it took yeah it wasn't immediate it took a while mm. but yeah it was a beautiful it was that and I think also having kids mm. when I when you get pregnant and your body expands and I, at first I felt at first I felt really disgusting mm. and I, I felt very unattractive I wish that I had um I wish that I had had at that time in my life more people around me that that thought the the body the pregnant body was just gorgeous and beautiful. I mean there were some there were some people, but for the most part I felt a little bit like I had you know I had to still cover up and um, oh I you know your your boobs just get really veiny <laughs> so so it was like all right I got these big awesome boobs but they've got all these veins in it and I didn't know like in a swimsuit that was. I would have comments like, oh, that's kind of gross. Maybe you should cover that up. Hmm. So, but after delivering with my first daughter, I mean, I had this profound feeling that like, oh my God, my body is amazing. And that was, I, I don't think I grew up with a, a, a ton of body shame. I was never, I was never throwing up my food. I was never on crazy diets. Even that was kind of lucky because my dad is naturally a really skinny guy. So I grew up a real lanky girl. Uh, so I never dealt with like weight issues. Um, and I never felt like I had to like apologize for the amount of space my body took up in the world. And then I got pregnant. And then I did when I got pregnant. But then I, I felt like that, and it's interesting that right that that was around the time that we started going to these hot springs. It was when I was pregnant, so I was extra aware of my body. Mm. But then I gave birth, and it and it totally changed my view on the beauty of my body and the intelligence of my body. Um, and then yeah, it, it just kept going from there until now. Uh, I think there's even times now where. I can catch myself um, comparing my body to other women, especially I'm mean, getting older. I'm 38. Mm. So it's easy to just want to look young and want to look super skinny and want, there's all these things that we want for our bodies. But I think this, the past year and a half, I've completely let go of all of that, of all of that. Um, and it's one, it's, it's so wonderful. I mean, it's so, I feel like I'm so free in my body now to the point where I have to ask Michael, maybe, is this inappropriate? <laughs> you, what do you mean? Like what you're wearing or like just walking around the house naked? What I'm, what I'm wearing or <laughs> as I, as I recall, this is not a smart, smart thing to do because because of our culture, but the other day, so I still take baths with our girls and we have this bathtub that has this, a window mm. you've, you've seen yeah, our, our bathroom, mm-hmm. there's this window right by our bathtub and Amelie and I have, Amelie is my oldest who's eight, just turning eight. And we decided we wanted to dry off on the roof of the house. So we were both on the roof of the house and we had, we had our towels on, but then there's definitely one point where we're like, 
let's just get a little naked. I guess you can't get a little naked. You either get all the way naked or not. <laughs> so we're on the roof of the house, which it's probably not a great idea. So I now I have to remind myself, hey, you know, there's some people who might come and you know break into your house and try to take something from you if you aren't careful. Yeah. Uh, so it's hard. I feel like it's an interesting balance. Of, mm. I'm so I feel so free in my body, but yeah, I have to know where I can be free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, how you said in the past year that you've gotten really comfortable in your body. Is that? Um, I, I mean, I think I've been, I've, from what I feel is I've had no body shame in the past year and a half. Like I don't, I don't struggle with it. It's been years of feeling freedom in my body, but I don't feel that comparison anymore, uh, with specifically other women, Mm. um, to add that I have to look a certain way or a certain age or that I have to look young. And, you know, it used to be a compliment when someone said, Oh, you're, you're 38, but you look so young. Cool. Like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's I'm fine if I looked 45. I don't bodies are beautiful, veins are beautiful, wrinkly skin, like it's all really beautiful and I think there was a time in my life I could I would say that and I would want to believe that. I'm like, "No, let's try to believe that mm-hmm. it's all beautiful." And um because of a lifetime of programming, I didn't really believe it. Mm. But it's been about the yeah the past year and a half that, uh, yeah, I fully, fully believe it, fully no body shame, mm. which is wonderful. Yeah. What do you, do you have any sort of like practice or, or if someone's listening and they're like, how do I even start with that? Like just embodying, like embodiment, like getting into your body. What do you, what do you do or what have you done that has supported you? Um, so there's two different things that I'll do. One is we have a lot of dance parties at our house. You just had one with us. Yep. <laughs> and I think there's this feeling of like when we're dancing, sometimes we can try to look a certain way or this is like how people dance. And so I will intentionally uh, not think about that or like moving my body in a like specific rhythm but what does my body want to do? Uh, what do my hands want to do? And there are times I will put my hands on the places of my body that are the, the fatter parts, you know, uh, the parts that there are more of that in the past I would maybe be ashamed of. Um, and love that part of my body, like give my attention to that part of my body um, and not try to... I'm not trying to suck anything in or change anything about myself, but I'm f- fully accepting whatever it is that my body wants to do. Even if, if I'm looking super weird according to someone else's pr- uh, perspective, I intentionally do not, I try to, I, to not see from their perspective, which as an Enneagram too is really hard because that can be our life. It's like, how do you see me? I will be who I become how you see me because I'm a helper and I'll fit into like what you need me to do. Um, but I don't feel that way at all anymore. So, so it's through dancing. Um, and then it's also through just 
laying or sitting, which um, for people who are disabled or cannot move different parts of their bodies, obviously dancing you can't do. Um, but and I, I feel a lot of freedom through just laying or sitting, and I'll do different body meditations. So for an example, I'll start with my hands on my heart, and I'll thank my body for carrying me. I'll thank my heart for beating. And then I just, I go to my arms. Thank you, arms, for being attached to me. Thank you for being able to hug my girls. Thank you for just being here. If there's someday I, I cannot hug anyone, then I cannot move you. Thank you for all you've done for me. And I go to my hands and my skin. Thank you, skin, for protecting my body and for keeping harmful things out, for for healing and for growing, for doing this crazy magical thing where uh, that, that, that you heal and you um, keep stretching. Um, thank you, brain. Thank you, legs. Thank you, feet. And so it's a lot of like, fundamental consciousness uh, practicing that I, I'll just sit there and um, practice being in different parts of my body and also thankful for those parts of my body. Mm. And that's that's changed it a lot for me because as I move about in the world, as I go to the grocery store, as I'm playing with my girls, as I'm eating dinner with people, it's just changed my awareness uh, to where if there's a time where I would have compared myself immediately with someone else, I think of my practice and it's just so much easier for that comparison to stop and for that shame just to dissipate. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you said, um, I've used, I've used a similar, uh, gratitude shift that has supported when I felt like, um, ugh, my skin is so translucently white that you just see like blue veins all over my legs and I won't wear shorts because they're ugly. And then I'm like, but on the other hand, my legs are strong as hell and they get me, they I get anywhere I need to go with my legs and I can exercise and I can do all, like I can be a mm -hmm. photographer. And there are so many things that, you know, yes, I can sit there and nitpick my translucent legs and the blue veins and be like, ugh, gross. Or I can just be like, shut your damn mouth and yeah. say thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so sometimes I talk like that to yeah. myself. <laughs> yeah, that's so good. We need to. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's so many things. We, oh, I wish that this wasn't, especially living in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. I wasn't prepared for the the comparison world of, of L.A. And I know it doesn't exist in some pockets. Mm -hmm. In one hand, L.A. is really great for that. Like, mm -hmm. There are no makeup and we're just super free. And then there's... And then there's the extreme where it's, we have to fix everything. Yeah. And I, I, I'm not, I'm not a person where I think you, you just can't do any of that. Uh, I've had braces. Mm -hmm. Like there's some countries, some people would think that that's like, you know, why would you do that? Just accept your crooked teeth. So I don't have a, I don't have a judgment against that. But it is creating a world where our children like, don't, I don't think we, we know what 
bodies look like. Yeah. Um, yeah, like when you, to stop with the with the alterations and the, yeah, yeah. And when you say someone looks good, like I, someone was just telling me, well, this is why the Kardashians look so good, is because they do this, and I just was like, I know, I feel like that's. Oh, I just I hate that mentality because we all look good. What does it mean to look good as right. a human being? Right. If that's the measure and mm-hmm. we have to spend tens of thousands of, I don't even, however much that costs mm. to quote unquote fix these things about our bodies. Um, that, that's what I love about being in, around the nudists. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, even if there are people who have fixed things here and there, uh, there's this different sense of, I am, I am fully whole as I am. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's this, there's a, just a different spirit about it. It's like, it's that thing. It's hard to really, to really put your finger on it. But the feeling is like, we are, we are accepted. You're seen, mm. you're loved as you are. You don't have to fix something about your body. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Um, makes me think like a week ago I was at uh, an event and I went up to talk to someone and I, I like vaguely, I, I know her, but not, we're not like best friends. We don't know each other that well. So I walked up to her and I was like, Hey, how's it going? She was like, good. She was like, tell me something about you. And I was like, mm. and the first thing that came to me was my boobs are real. That was like the, <laughs> that was the first thing that I said. She's like, tell me something about you. Mm, my boobs are real. And she goes, Oh, mine aren't. And I was like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Cool. And she goes, want to feel them? And I was like, mm-hmm. And so then <laughs> yeah. I just did the like boob squeeze <laughs> yeah. thing. And I was like, wow, they're nice. And did they then, feel real? Yeah. They were like, they were a little more firm than normal. Yeah. But it was great because then it opened this conversation of her saying, you know, she has, she has kids and she was like, I loved my boobs. And then I had kids and they got really big and then they got really, really, really saggy. And I was just like. I want to love my body again. So I'm going to get them to, to the point where like I once loved them. And I was like, sweet. Mm -hmm. And I loved, to me, it's less about, um, you know, do we alter ourselves? Cause like you said, I had braces too. Like I've, I mean, like there are things that we do to make our bodies night, like more enjoyable. Um, so for me, it's less about where's the line to stop and more about just like are we loving ourselves in the process? Because if it's, I have, I won't be happy until I fix this thing and then you fix it. And then there's another thing yeah, and it just keeps going. And it's this like super gross and, and sort of endless, uh, feedback loop where you're just like, no, no, the next thing I do will be the thing that makes me love my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have, I have friends who've done that, who are just mm-hmm. like, once I have my, you know, press like, plastic surgery and fix this thing, then I'm going to be so happy. And they aren't that, that doesn't, that doesn't solve everything Mm -hmm. because there's, there's still a lot more about self-acceptance and feeling at home in our bodies. Um, and so I know that there's a massive, I mean, it brings, there's so many things that come up in that conversation about, um, even, you know, trans people who they don't feel at home in their bodies when they're born. So it's like, there's a whole conversation there and Mm -hmm. not necessarily something that we can solve in one podcast episode. But I think that, um, you know, it is a lot about loving, loving ourselves and finding that acceptance 
Um, and, and once we make an alteration, loving ourselves more because of it, not just being like, no, that wasn't it. It'll be the next thing. It'll be the next thing. And just that kind of like constant pursuit of this ideal that is elusive and will continue to just slip out of our fingers because Mm. it doesn't exist. So yeah, that's my thought on that. So we all just need to be naked together. Uh, I mean, would you be... So it's one thing to talk about being naked and experience freedom with strangers. Would you be naked with your friends? I would be. I think that it would be weird at first. Like there would be this like, wow, this is so interesting. (laughs) This is what you look like. Yeah. But I totally would do it in like two seconds just because like I would learn something from it and it would be awkward and it would, you know, like stuff, something would come up for me. I would learn something about myself. I would be like, wow, I didn't realize that, you know, I felt like this or I didn't realize that, you know, whatever it might be. And, and so I think I like trying things. Um, and I like challenging myself outside of my, you know, outside of what's comfortable just to be like, wow, that was, that was weird. Um, so I think it would be, I think it would be funny. And I also think it would be, um, it would be nerve wracking, um, for the first like a couple minutes of, oh, wow, yes, yes. this is so weird. Um, but like, I've watched my friends have kids. I've watched, I've been in the room when my friends have given birth. Um, and like, that's something, you know, to be standing, but, but it's also different to see a girl naked and to see the, all the guys. True. Like I would have, I've been naked with my friends many times, but like guy stuff is different. Yeah. Like if we're all in the room and Jaden's there and uh, that would be the only, I'd be like, Oh yeah, this is really funny. (laughs) But I think I would, I think I'd be okay fairly quickly. This is. A guess for me. I guess. Yeah. Maybe the next time we saw each other, we'd be like, so, <laughs> hey. But I think it does tear down a certain, like, a certain barrier. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. There's so interesting. Barrier. Well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll have to try it one of these days. <laughs> See what happens and report back. Friend, nudie party. <laughs> yeah. So isn't that, that's like Jenny's worst nightmare. <laughs> Naked party. <laughs> Yeah, didn't she say like she thought when they come to LA uh, after a while that we'd all just end up being naked together? Yeah. Well, well, Jenny, it's happening. Usually the thing that you resist persists. We're giving you two months. <laughs> <laughs> it is now. No, I don't know what day it is. That's hilarious. We're giving you two months. She would, she would kill you. Yeah. Um, I want to know, what do you tell your girls about nudity and bodies and and just, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I don't know how to parent, but like, how do you parent wisely in that space? How do you talk about bodies in a way that you create boundaries and awareness of like, this is okay, this is not okay, but also not create shame? Hmm. Um, so my girls are young, so I don't even know if I'm doing it right. <laughs> And right, like what, what does that even mean to parent right? There's, I'm going to mess them up somehow. <laughs> totally going to mess them up somehow, but. That's okay, because therapy is great, so let me try. <laughs> uh, but I'm careful with my words. I'm careful with my reactions. If there's something that they're doing that surprises me, I don't, I've told myself, don't just, don't just react. Yeah. Just pause like what is a pause gonna do it's not gonna hurt anything um 
obviously this is in the confines of our home. If mm-hmm. my girls are running down the street naked, I'm going to say, hey, get in here. You know, there's there's definitely times for And what do you reaction. say? Let's say they did that and you were like, hey, get in here. How would you communicate with them about what they're doing in a yeah. way that isn't just putting like confusion and shame in them in this in mm-hmm. the same way that when your dad goes like, what are you guys doing? Don't yeah. do it. like that. You you're like, what's going on? I don't know what's going on. So let's say hypothetically, you know, Amelie's running down the street naked and you're like, hey, get in here. How do you communicate with her a boundary without it being like bad? You're bad. What you did that you like your body's bad or that that is bad. Does that yeah. make sense? It's more about and we have had I mean, she hasn't gone running down the street naked, but we have had this discussion and it's more about our culture. Mm-hmm. So it's less about her body. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying this is. Uh, you can't do this because your body is causing people to feel whatever. It's, hey, baby, this is the brutal reality of our culture. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think there's, there's so many things we try to shield our kids from. I definitely think there's a, yeah, a child psychologist could speak to this better, more eloquently than I can. Um, they say there's certain things, you know, a kid should be at certain mile markers in their life before you talk to them about certain things. Or it's like how, how you phrase things. Because kids can't, like a certain age, like a three-year-old doesn't understand metaphor. Right. Um, three-year-old can't understand the problem of pain in our world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, we are very open. And... I feel very lucky that we get to have these conversations with our daughter instead of her just experiencing it because there's so many cultures where little girls are abused all the time Mm -hmm. and already sexually assaulted. I mean, it's, uh, so in, in that aspect, like I, I want to guard her from so many stories, but I know I'm doing her a disservice because this is our world. And yes, it's really beautiful and wonderful, but it's also really brutal. Mm. So uh, Michael and I have talked about this because there's times I'm like, wait a second, I think that's too much, you know? <laughs> and and we're like, well, is that too much? Because this is a reality. Mm. And if we don't tell her, someone else is going to, maybe not in the best way. Mm-hmm. So... So we make it not about your body is good. Your body is always good. But not everybody has been taught that. There's a lot of people who were raised with parents who who didn't love them, who didn't care for them, weren't taught what is good and bad to do to other people's bodies. And uh, and some people don't realize what they're doing. Maybe they're, they have a mental illness. There's other things at play that we don't know about. So I'm like, Amelie, there's just all these things at play that we can't see. Mm. Yes, we love, we love people and we give love towards people, but you don't, you don't know where someone's coming from. So their history has maybe postured them in a way that they don't know that your body is just good and beautiful and they don't value your body like you do and like we do. Mm. So it's, it's, I think it's in the language we use, uh, it's not like this part of you is bad and you can't show this. You're, this part of you is good. These parts of you are all good. But not everyone knows how to treat all the parts of your body. Mm. Hmm. Uh, oh. 
So it's our language, it's our reactions. Um, in, in, in a lot of ways, it's, it's she's learning from me. Mm. So it's even less about like what I tell her. It's how I'm treating my own body. Yeah. I mean, I've totally done that thing where I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, what would this look like? Like, you know, <laughs> with my eyebrows up a little bit more <laughs> or, uh-huh. uh, or my stomach's like a little bit more. She's watching me so I could tell her all the things I want to. Yeah. But she's learning from me how I treat my own body and how I'm free in my body and how, um, she's learning. I don't run down the street naked. Right. But I run around naked in our house. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's, she's watching, she's watching us. Yeah. I had a therapist years ago that would say more is caught than taught. Yeah. And, um, I think about it all the time because it's so true. And kids, especially when they're still so young and they're, they're just, you know, their neurons are still like shaping and getting all their pathways are still yeah, being formed. Yeah. 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 All their pathways are like collecting data all day, every day. Um, and so, you know, even things that aren't conscious, they're still learning from what you're doing. So I love it. Um, mm. is there anything in your book that has to do with bodies or there is, is there anything <laughs> you want to read us? Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm laughing. Okay. I can tell I'm like, we can talk about something else before we before we read this. Do you need to talk about it? What do you want to talk about? I don't know. What's nipples? Like? Nipples. This is my thing. If I ever was to do a stand-up, uh, like a bit, I know what it would be. It would be, I mean, I need to, I can't tell it in Joe form right now. It's not going to be the best delivery, but I'm just going to tell you what the content would be. The content is D-size nips on... A size tits. Oh, that would be really ugly. Like nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Everyone wants D tits. Boobs. Boobs Boobs. with little little nips. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be like that would be my whole thing around that. Like, hey, hey, what's the deal with (laughs) why does nobody want that? And then I could just pretend that I have D size nips i mean some women have really big nipples they do especially when you're like nursing they oh, get yeah. they get really and so that the babies can see mm. where they need to feed I totally mean, it's wonderful it's beautiful it's beautiful about it. it's beautiful <laughs> i love d nips i love d nips these nips <laughs> oh my god <laughs> have you ever read your book naked before no mm. This is the first. <laughs> I feel like I have to use that voice. This is the first for me. Gosh. Okay, we're listening. All right. Measurements. You wake up flawless, post up flawless, flossing on that flawless. Queen B. Earth can often feel like a stage instead of what she really is. The womb we were born from. It can feel like she turned on us from day one. Let all of the people measure us, poke us, Test us to see where we fit on the human scale. But I don't think she turned. I think she screamed and yelled to all of us, Look, look, don't you see what I have given you? If only you could see, maybe you would stop turning your face toward the sky and asking to be blessed. Don't you see that you are? Don't you see that I have? I was born two months early and four pounds light. Jumped right into the measurements from the word go, just like everyone else did. 
My mother said people would stop on her walks to admire her new little bundle of joy, only to gasp in horror at how gaunt and frail I was after she unveiled my face. My cheeks gained the weight first, so donned the nickname Bug Eyes and Chipmunk Cheeks. My parents did a lot to help me catch up, and I continued having that catching up feeling well into high school. I learned quickly there are two kinds of people in the world, winners and losers. I heard sports was supposed to bond people, but I just didn't see that happening, at least not for me. I knew which category I was in, and it wasn't the winners. But I found where I belonged in church, not even realizing I was still buying into the winners and losers system. It was just the godly version. I got my feeling of belonging from believing I was part of the elite, the ones who had the truth, so everyone else could play sports all they liked. I had the truth of the cosmos in my hands. There's a chart for almost everyone, tests for almost everything. So we know exactly where we stand compared with everyone else, so we can know if we are special in this world. Special. How many people have spent their entire lives needing to know that they are worth something, not ever feeling like their lives belong on this life-producing planet? I have found my own charts. I live with them every single day. So for all my programmed reasons, I needed to know what to expect, just what the charts were for my Lucy. I sat on the sofa in the hospital and Googled life expectancy for people with Down syndrome. According to the Global Down Syndrome Foundation, quote, today the average lifespan of a person with Down syndrome is approximately 60 years. As recently as 1983, the average lifespan of a person with Down syndrome was 25 years. The dramatic increase to 60 years is largely due to the end of the inhumane practices of institutionalizing people with Down syndrome. I read on about the tests the lobotomies, the precious lives used for research. I know we are still evolving as humans, but come on, we still eat our own. Inhumane practices in the name of progress. I sat there staring at the hospital wall, wondering what the future would hold for someone like me living in this world of progress. Just how long until my IQ isn't high enough, my body not able enough, my life not producing enough, to deem me a valuable human being. I found myself thinking, okay, well, she has this syndrome, but maybe she will be on the high functioning side of it. Oh God, please, please, please let her be on the high side. But the earth spoke back. Don't you see what she is? I realized I was buying into the same garbage I was fighting. I wanted Lucy's life to be valuable, but I have ill-defined what valuable is. And this idea comes only because I have felt this in myself. We have all felt it. Our value lies in our ableness. It lies in whether we wow someone with our ability or disappoint them with inability. We are the tree ashamed of its branches. We have bought into this idea that our bodies and lives need to measure up to something. But when I look at my girls, I already see it. Pure beauty. If you were to hold yourself as a baby in your arms, you surely wouldn't have some of the ideas you now have about yourself. I think you'd see things differently. I'm sure my mother looked at my chubby naked baby body and loved every inch. And now 
I can stare at my naked self and see so many flaws, shrink in disappointment at what isn't big enough or small enough or just what wobbles when I don't want it to. She is so behind or she is doing so well. According to which measuring stick exactly? To what we civilized humans think thriving is? Our measuring stick is limited to the able, the sound of mind, and the healthy. And so we have people swarming the measuring stick, wondering whether they stand out, fit, belong at all. The game is played everywhere. In the future, I will visit schools looking for a good place for Lucy to thrive. I will leave many of them telling myself to breathe deeply. Others, I will leave with hot, angry tears. I'll text my husband, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. He will laugh and say, I'd be afraid if I were them. It will be after the fourth private school and the third public school further browse and say there really isn't a place for Lucy that I will stop and realize something. The system isn't broken. The system was built this way. Like when I discovered that my father had pennies in his pockets, I'll feel tricked by this system. They had been so helpful with my typical child, excited when they found out she was so br tall, bright, and talented. They had a place for this beautiful tree to grow taller, better. I won't be prepared for the pain I'll feel when the head is shaking no at our Lucy. I think they must not understand. No, no, she is an actual child. I see other children running around. Well, she too is an actual child. Look, see? And I'll walk away feeling the unfairness of it all. Lucy will be put into a category and not even given a chance. The beautiful tree shoved into the shadows with rationed sunlight and water. It makes me think of all the other children who were never given a chance. All of the other people with illnesses or physical difficulty. The mothers and fathers who faced racial discrimination. And I'm just now getting a little taste of bias. My anger was then turned towards myself because I never saw it to this degree. I didn't know how hard it was and how hard it still is. I knew the bias was there, but there was a big difference between knowing and experiencing this crushing feeling, a frown directed at my child, disapproval for how she was born. I never fully knew it because my skin is light and my body able, but now that I have something deemed to be different, I see the bias more clearly. I was angry at myself for not seeing this before. I thought about all of the other families, all the mothers and fathers who'd walked this road before me, way before me with less finances, less help, less social status, less of everything. They had no one to help them and their child was turned away because our system was built on eugenics. No, it isn't broken. It was built this way. We separate ourselves in more ways than one with categories and definitions politically, socially, racially, religiously, disabled, mentally ill, genius, dull, this syndrome and that one. It may help with organizing things, helping us know how to help, but our categories most often blind us. We categorize the smartest so they can get smarter faster, so that the slow children do not hold back the shining stars. We teach our children who is normal and who is different, and this alters the development of their reasoning. We are hurting them in the endeavor to make them better. 
We are teaching them that the slower learners or those that learn in a different way don't matter as much, that the fastest, strongest, smartest matter most. And this creates a society built on an erroneous idea of success. It creates a society where people feel valued, not because they are human beings, but because of how well they measure up and produce. And so we buy into the illusion that the human experience is best in able bodies, quick minds. We buy into the illusion that we should dominate, then those who dominate are left empty, wondering if they're worth anything more than their winnings. There's a difference between pursuing your best self and pursuing domination. One enriches everyone, the other oppresses everyone. Jean Vanier wrote, a society which disregards those who are weak and non-productive risks exaggerating the development of reason, organization, aggression, and the desire to dominate. It becomes a society without a heart, without kindness, a rational and sad society, lacking celebration divided within itself, given to competition, rivalry, and finally, violence. This is not our apocalyptic future. This is our present. This is not a what if, this is reality today. Approximate abortion rates for babies diagnosed with Down syndrome in utero. United States, 70%. Holland, 74 to 94%. Canada, 80%. Great Britain, 90%. Denmark, 98%. Iceland, 100%. Herein lies a deep ache to see my daughter's value denigrated by statistics. And to me, the worst thing about those numbers is seeing someone react to hearing that some of those children who were aborted did not have Down syndrome. They gasp in horror, no, no, not a normal child, how tragic. Just what have we reduced the human experience to? What about empathy, compassion, love? How do you quantify those qualities? Research shows that when children with a wide range of IQs are together in a classroom, everyone's test score rises. Living and learning alongside each other enriches all of us. But our country was built on separation, built on the backs of slaves, violence toward native people, sexism, patriarchy, people oppressing people, rewarding violence and oppression with more power. Some of us thought the civil rights movement would bring change. Some of us thought Brown versus Board of Education would bring change. Some thought having a black president would bring change. I know I did. But the impulse to categorize runs deeper than we knew. Our measurement system is a strong one. And now white supremacists proudly show their faces. Iceland is eradicating children with Down syndrome, eugenics happening right before our eyes. All under the banner of creating a better world, a place where the elite feel they belong and thrive with the other elite. We cut pieces of ourselves off, hoping to save ourselves, not realizing we are bleeding out. The earth spins, sleeps, then wakes again and asks, don't you see who you are? Don't you know you are good? I'm trying to know it. It's a struggle sitting there in the hospital, looking at the charts, seeing where Lucy is compared with all of the other babies. I believe she's perfect, but years of programming are fighting my heart. The programming says, you should be scared. Her life will be hard. Do every single thing you can to help her fit in. If you fail, shame, shame, shame. 
Just what are we looking at here? Those trees, this grass. I can map the intricate patterns in the bark, trace the rings from the center to its edge and make a chart of it. I can measure them and tell each and every one about my findings so they'd know what I know, just what they are. The wonder of it isn't enough. We have to write it down and take some measurements. Maybe if I could catch one of those winged wild bluebirds, I could study its feathers and feet, catch another and compare. Then tell them the differences between each other so they can really know what they are and we can know the difference. The problem is I don't think they would really care. So first, I'd have to teach them how to care about such a thing. What is it that taught us? Capitalism? Maybe that would work for them too. I'm not lobbying to burn all the charts. Some are quite useful. I used one last week to find out whether I needed glasses. My friend used one to know how much chemotherapy she would need to survive. And my father used a chart to know whether his heart could last. But the charts that compare us, separate us, those are the killers. It seems the trees are doing okay without my telling them which is thriving more than the other. I wonder what that knowledge would do. Would it push one to be greener, stand out, be taller than the rest so it can be closer to the sun? Would it make the other wilt or stunt its growth because the light is blocked, the soil sucked dry from all of the best roots growing so deeply and wonderfully? Can a tree feel insignificant? Just where did we learn the measurements? And when did we forget we grew out of the ground just like everything else? Do we feel the connection to all of this? If we did, maybe we wouldn't be combining chemicals that rip it all to shreds or making charts to tell us how we don't belong in the very womb that created us. Boom. That's a lot. You can cut all of that out if you want to. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> or I like you can it. cut a whatever. No, I love it. It's awesome. Thank you. Stop it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, my back is sticking on this weird vinyl chair. Um, thank you. Okay, so that's called The Most Beautiful Thing I've Seen. Yes. And yep. it's your brand new book. Brand new book. Came out June 26th. Oh my gosh, it's a baby. Yeah. How has Oof. it felt to have it out? Really good. I'm really glad the release day is over. I had a lot of anxiety that I didn't think I would have. I thought, oh, I just thought I wouldn't have any nerves or jitters. And I had so much anxiety that I couldn't wait for the day to be over. Do you know what <laughs> what was going on with the anxiety? Do you understand I it now? Uh, I don't know. It was it was interesting because I didn't think I cared how it was received. Mm -hmm. um, but I think I, I found myself caring. Like, how many people are sharing? Is it any of it just, is it going to sell it all? Uh, is my publisher going to be disappointed mm -hmm. that they're not getting their money back? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but also there was, there was a fair amount of anxiety around what my family would think because, um, yeah, there's some pieces about my family in there that's really great. And just like any family, there's, there's the good and the bad. Yeah. And I wasn't interested in throwing anyone under the bus or exploiting anyone, but it's difficult to tell your story and have zero people upset with your story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there's a lot of drama. I mean, it's a, it's a, I, I love the journey of my life, but there's, 
some painful events and some dramatic events. And there's events that I know people didn't want me to talk about. So, and I had, yeah, people told me that they didn't want me to talk about. So it was, there was that piece as well. Mm. Like knowing there's people who are not going to be happy about it. Uh, Well, I mean, it's beautiful and you're a beautiful writer. So I'm, I'm glad that you were willing to potentially upset for the sake of sharing your story. Yeah. Stick around for part two of this discussion to hear a Q&A with Lisa Gunger about her social media practices. This episode of Out of Line was produced by me, Caroline. All sound editing, engineering, and original music composition by Jaden Lee. And a big thank you to Cat Footwear for working with Out of Line this season. Hit subscribe to get the next episode on your mobile device when it drops next week. And if you love what you heard, please whip out a review, will ya? 